Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Hello and welcome to Danish Dynamite, episode 16. I'm recording this with the sun coming through the window. The winter months are behind us, it seems. The days are getting longer. And this is actually my favourite time of the season. The, the beginning and the end of the season when you get longer days, nice sunny stadiums. And I know it's probably more on brand for a, a Scandinavian or a Nordic league to be played with the backdrop of coldness, snow on the side of the pitch, people freezing in the stands. But actually, this is my this is my favourite time for it. And I think that if you go back and listen to last week's episode, which I really enjoyed with Christian Volney, we talk about why we think a summer league is actually the, the best format for the Super League and, and might be something worth exploring in the future. On today's show, we're going to recap an extraordinary round of action in the Super League. Round 23, the first round after the split of the relegation in the championship group. So we got to see teams in the same sort of proximity of the league as each other facing off and, and seeing where that leaves us. No better place to start, actually, than in Copenhagen, where FC Co, who went into the, the game second, played the leaders at the time, FC Norgeland, in a game that was set to be a, really pivotal for the title race. And I think that it's fair to say that whoever won this game w- would land a real body blow in that title race. And the game itself really lived up to the hype. It started uh, frantic pace. And uh, shout out to Peter Ankerson, who was really rolling back the ears in this game. It sort of slipped my mind that... He was playing in Serie A as recently as, as 2020 for Genoa, and he's got 25 Denmark caps. You know, this is a guy who is second, maybe third choice right back at the moment for FC Copenhagen. So just shows what strength and depth they have when a guy like him can step in. And he put in a, a fantastic performance. He almost had a, an assist three minutes in. Haraldsson had a, a shot from close after an Angerson cross. Really good save from Hansen in goal. And I think that he was fantastic that first half. He re- really made some superb saves. And it was actually Norgeland who struck first. Kian Hansen played a superb long ball. And so often you see centre-backs kind of hoofing the ball up, upfield to to get out of pressure. But this definitely wasn't that. And we've seen multiple times this season. Kian Hansen and Adamo Nagalo playing really well-weighted, really accurate long balls from the back and, and it creating danger. And sure enough, Kian Hansen put this ball through the middle. It went over the head of David Kochlava, who was really caught flat-footed there. And Diamande nipped in and produced a beautiful floated header over the goalkeeper to put them ahead. And I think that goal just kind of highlighted perhaps some of the limitations of this Copenhagen centre-back pairing. That They're superb in in terms of duels when the ball's on the ground winning those physical battles but they can be liable to being disrupted when there's when there's pace uh, and balls over the top and and so it was proved with that goal so Norgeland were ahead and the pressure was very much on on Copenhagen to come back I felt that as the game went on I, I, I sent a tweet actually that said that I can see Cornelius getting straight into this starting 11 not because he's more talented than than the options they have there but I think because he is a traditional number nine who thinks shoot first. And I think part of the problem with that FC Copenhagen front line, and I say part of the problem, they've scored the most goals in the league by some distance. So perhaps it isn't a problem at all. But it did strike me that often if, if they have a, a choice between passing and shooting, that front line will almost always look to pass. And that was kind of the story of the game, uh, that there were a number of opportunities where I feel that players were receiving the ball in a space where they could have turned and shot, but instead laid it off. And almost as soon as I hit tweet on that, 
Mohamed Darami popped up in the box, a lovely back heel from Victor Clayson. And Darami absolutely smashed it, complete rocket into the top corner for the equaliser. And he looks a man rejuvenated after this move. When he first came back to Copenhagen from Ajax, it was clear that a year of barely playing in Ajax had taken its toll on him. He'd lost his confidence, he'd lost his swagger, and he'd, it looked like he'd lost what had made him so special the season before. He's gradually got that back, and I think particularly since the winter break, he's looked fantastic. And he was really on top form in this match and he had his hair dyed blue for it. And I think there's always a, but perhaps it's a, a very surface level comment, but I think when, when players dye their hair blue or green or whatever it might be, I think it's a sign that they're in a confident mood, right? Because otherwise they just try and try and blend in a little bit more. So he was on top form and, and really looked so dangerous in this game. The winner actually came from substitute Diogo Goncalves. Wearing the number nine shirt, he reacted to a ball that was headed clear actually after an Ankerson cross. And I thought he'd scored the goal. It turns out that it was given to Victor Clayson. It must have been a very slight touch of that, but it was essentially Diogo's goal. And that turned out to be the winner. So Copenhagen in front of a, a packed Parkin go top of the table and the bookies odds have them about 80% favorites now to win the title. And I have to say, although that seems quite high, given there's still nine games left, it does feel like they're very much in the driving seat. Now they've got players coming back. Uh, they've got strength in depth and they clearly have lots and lots of goals in them. They just look like they're hitting their stride at the right time. And I think that it would take a, a, a pretty serious effort now for Norgeland to, to claw this back, but stranger things have happened, but that game was a really great advert for the league in terms of the talent on show. I think the number of young players as well on both sides. You know, you had the likes of Rooney Bardaji, of course, we've talked about Mohamed Darami. And then for Norgeland, obviously, the likes of Villadsen, the likes of Nuama, who just caused, caused trouble all day. So, yeah, that was a, a, a brilliant game. And it's going to be interesting to see how both teams react to that, whether FC Copenhagen really take up the, the mantle and, and go hell for leather now, uh, and whether FC Norgeland can come back in any way. It was strange to see both uh, FC Co and Bromby at home on the same day. Does that is that something that happens often? I don't know. So hopefully someone will tell me. But Bromby were hosting Vibor. This was one I was really looking forward to because Bromby have some really exciting attacking players and Viborg have been, you know, one of the teams of the season in terms of uh, entertainment and fighting spirit. This game, uh, again, didn't disappoint whatsoever. It started with uh, a Viborg goal. Elias Ashuri, who has been one of the, the standout players, I would say, since the, the winter break, he looks a constant threat for them. And he fired in a superb volley from the edge of the box. Brilliant technique and when it first went in, I thought, because it seemed to go through a crowd, I thought the keeper must have been unsighted. But then seeing it, seeing the replay from uh, behind the goal, it looked like there was only one player in front of him. So I think maybe Hermanson could have could have maybe done better from that one. But he certainly kept his gloves warm in the half hour, 45 minutes after that goal. Made a, a load of really good saves and j- just showed what a, a quality keeper he is. After that goal, Bromby did come back and have some chances. And it seemed like the the bar or the post was constantly being hit in this game. I, I was watching it without commentary. And so kept hearing the sort of the clang of the post, uh, which is quite a satisfying sound. But um, maybe not for Bromby fans when uh, Hakko and Evian hit the inside of the post and the ball sort of went across the line and out for a, out for a goal kick. And that was probably the closest that they, that they came. But they... They put some chances together following that goal, but in the second half, Vibor really put their foot on the accelerator. Vestergaard scored a header, the signing from Lungby, and it was 
it was a pretty simple run. He ran parallel to the goal, wasn't picked up by a defender, and so had a, an open header from about seven, eight yards out and put V-Ball two up. And from that point, it really looked like the game was in the bag. Paulinho scored the third, another new signing in January. And it, it was courtesy of a, a really beautiful cross from Anton Guy. Is he the best crosser in the league? It feels like he's putting in incredible deliveries every week. I wondered whether without J. Roy Grot, he would have as much success with them. But it seems like the goals keep coming and, and he keeps delivering. Uh, and so it finished 3-0 at Bromby Stadium. The fans weren't happy. They've now lost two on the bounce with uh, FC Norgeland last weekend and and Viborg this weekend and it doesn't get much easier for them they're they're away to FC Norgeland again next weekend then they play AGF at home and then they've got runners so they're going to need to find a way to turn some of those crossbars and posts into goals because they're they're running with a goal difference of minus five at the moment and I think with with such a talented keeper such a talented set of attacking players at least that doesn't feel right to me so Jesper Sorensen is going to have to find a way to to make that work and he's going to have to do so in nine pretty tough games coming up before uh, before next season. And then on to what must be the most unexpected result of the weekend. Alborg fans who who listen to this haven't had much cause for, for celebration this season, but they can fully celebrate this one because they ran out 4-0 winners against Horsens and it really looked like they were playing with the uh, Real freedom in, in the first game since Eric Hammerin was sacked. Goals from Nicholas Hellenius, who uh, was signed precisely for this reason. Uh, he put him, put his head in the way of danger. He was punched in the face for his uh, for his troubles, but he scored the opener after five minutes. And then uh, goals from Fossum, Sousa and Anderson. Those are names that you haven't heard on the score sheet very much this season, but were, were big figures last season. And yeah, 4-0 win. Superb finish in particular from from Alan Souza, but they dominated the game. 61% possession, uh, 14 shots to uh, Horson six, and they really played with a, a determination and a, a flair that suggests that they might be getting out of this. They went back up in the table uh, ab- above Lungby, and they're now only five points from safety. That result was great for their goal difference too that they've moved up to minus 11 uh, horsons above them minus 15 so yeah th- this was one of those six pointers that we talked about and a- absolutely huge result for them i think had they lost this they pr- probably could have given up hope but as it stands that result puts them in a fantastic position and they play ob next followed by Michelin away and so they're going to go into those games with a load of confidence and every chance of getting something and I noticed that Alborg have missed the third most big chances in the league. They've missed 33 big chances. And the, the, the only teams that have missed more are FC Copenhagen and FC Norgeland. So a 4-0 win kind of shows what can happen when they do take their chances. And you wonder if they will reverse that trend going into the the, the run-in and, and start taking their chances a bit more now that the confidence is is up. Another team mired in a relegation battle at the moment is Lungby. And we're going to be speaking later to a friend of the show, Dan, who is behind the Lungby English Twitter account. And he's going to sort of tell us about the current state of play there. But uh, Lungby managed a, a one-all draw this weekend uh, with Silkeborg, which, you know, on the face of it, quite creditable. They were 1-0 down inside the first minute uh, via Tony Adamson and did really well to, to pick themselves back up and, and get an equaliser themselves in the third or fourth minute. But after that, the game played out as a bit of a stalemate. Quite an even game, I would say. Yeah, Lungby come away from it with a point, which, uh, you know, had Alborg not had such a, a big win, 
that probably would have been seen as a positive, but but as it stands, Lungby go back to the bottom of the table and they lost Alfred Finn Bogerson in this game. I feel really bad for him. Uh, early in the season, he broke his collarbone uh, and so missed a huge chunk of the season. And he was uh, an important signing for them, you know, a, a very seasoned international who, before joining Lungby, he was playing in the Bundesliga. So huge talent, uh, Icelandic international. And yeah, he dislocated his shoulder in, in this game and so will miss the remainder of the season, I believe. And so that's a huge blow for, for Lungby in terms of reducing their, their goal-scoring threat and, and taking away such an experienced member of the squad. So uh, bad news for them. Uh, but we're going to speak later to Dan and get more of a lowdown as to, to where they are and, and understand a bit about their survival chances. We talked about Alborg playing with a, a sense of freedom, having parted ways with, with Eric Cameron. And it seemed like Micheland were also benefiting from the, that new manager bounce. First game under Thomas Thomasberg. Uh, and it's almost like before the game, he said, Siri, tell me the three most unlikely goal scorers for, uh, for us today. Uh, and, uh, and it came good. Heiselberg, Janino and Edward Chalufia scoring for them. And Emmanuel Sabi got one for Obi, heavily def- deflected. But Michelin were, were really dominant in this game, missed a couple of other good chances and seemed to be full of attacking threat, albeit with only 40% possession, but 23 shots, 10 on target versus uh, seven shots, four on target for, for Obi kind of tells the story of the game a bit. They were just desperate to impress the new manager. Thought Gustav Isaksen looked very good. But it certainly looks like they're relishing the role as the, the top dogs in the relegation group. And although it's not much of a character aim for getting that top spot and playing potentially V-Borg, uh, which would be incredible in a in the European playoff for that final conference league space, that, that looks like the, the carrot that they're aiming for. And with performances like that, I think it's almost, almost a done deal that they're going to reach it. I think only Silkeborg can really threaten them. And uh, on the strength of the weekend's performance uh, against Lungby, I'm not convinced that they're going to have enough in the tank to do that. But I could be proved. I could be proven wrong. There was one more game. This uh, this round happened on Monday, and that was AGF against Ranners, uh, an all Yuland affair. You know, once again, Patrick Mortensen pops up with a penalty. I feel like he's uh, scored quite a few of those this season. But it was a it was a very cold, very packed AGF stadium for this game. The equaliser also came in the first half through Stephen Odie, and it was good to see him get his uh, this is his first goal of the season in the league, which is quite incredible considering last season he managed uh, seven in the league, three in the conference league, three in the cup. So he was prolific last season, and it just hasn't seemed to happen for him this season. You know, he is the I believe the all-time highest uh, transfer fee paid by by Ranners when they uh, when they signed him from Belgium, but it just hasn't happened for him this season. So it was good to see him get back on the score sheet. AGF had the the best of the game and really kind of dominated, but weren't able to turn that dominance into three points. So they took a point apiece. I, I can't see these teams necessarily threatening the top three, but it must be reassuring for AGF fans to see their team look solid and dependable and have 36 points at this point in the season. It's also worth remembering what sort of season AGF had last season and just the stability and the positivity that Uwe Rosler has brought to the club uh, and to see them sitting in fourth after narrowly avoiding relegation last season, I think it's a testament to the job that he's done there. So those results do change the, the makeup of the table uh, to an extent. The relegation race is closer now with five points in it 
the title race uh, remains as close as ever, but FC Copenhagen are now sitting in top spot and it's going to take some effort to come back from there. Viborg are now only three points off Norgeland in second, so could be some further drama there. And worth remembering that third place isn't guaranteed Europe. They they have to play the playoff against the uh, the winner of the relegation group, assuming that no one in the top three wins the cup. Uh, although it's still per- perfectly possible that the cup winner is amongst those teams with uh, Norgeland and Viborg still in it. So round 24 is coming up. I think due to uh, the fact that it's Easter weekend, the, the games are arranged differently in round 24. So there's one game on Sunday, which is uh, Viborg EGF. Uh, four games on the Monday, FC Micheland against Lungby and Alborg against Obi for the, the lunchtime kickoff. Ranners FC Co. in the afternoon. And then the, the later kickoff is FC Norgeland Bromby. And then on Tuesday, it's uh, Silkeborg. Horsens. So interesting selection there. I think if I had to pick one game to watch, it would be Norgeland Bromby, just because of the wealth of uh, attacking options they have and the, the ramifications for the title race. But you can watch all of those games, I believe, on one football or FIFA Plus apps outside of Scandinavia. So go ahead and watch those. Enjoy those over the Easter weekend. Right. We'll be back in part two with Dan from Lungby BK England uh, to talk about, about Lungby's season and what their chances are of survival now. Welcome back to part two. And I'm here with Dan, the guy who runs Lungby BK England, a Twitter account dedicated to Lungby in English, which is uh, as niche as it sounds. People always say that football in Denmark is niche. Lungby BK England is niche. Dan, how are you? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, very niche. The more niche, the better. Exactly. So <laughs> tell me, how does a guy from England moving to Copenhagen not end up supporting one of the two best supported teams in the country? Um, well, I guess it's about who you know, right? A guy that I, from one of the workplaces that I started at uh, here, uh, he was a big Lumbi fan. It took me to a game back in May 21, a game against uh, Odense. We lost 2-1, but, you know, I was very much hooked growing up as a Watford fan, seeing a smaller club in an area with a bigger catchment, you know, like, uh, as you know, Arsenal, <laughs> being close to Watford. I saw a lot of similarities and it was nice to actually feel part of a community club again, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I went to my first Lungby game this season and it really had that community vibe that you're talking about. But I wonder, for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't been there, like, what would you say characterises a, a Lungby match day experience? Like, how is it different from going to a Premier League game? Personally, I, I think the the connection with the, the team and the fans seems to be on point. The fans know what to expect from the team or to, you know, show the team what they expect and the, 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 the team knows what to expect of the fans. And I think that's really important. Every game I've been to, home or away, the fans have been consistent and you can tell that the, the players appreciate that, right? I think that's quite a problem in Premier League football. You know, there's not that closeness to the players, right? And I feel that at Lumbi, at least, there there seems to be a connection all around. And, you know, you get that from the ownership as well, being actual fans of the club. I think that obviously helps. You know, it's trickle down. Absolutely. And I mean... Throughout the season, Lungby have been in or around the relegation zone. How has the the stadium experience been? Because I know that when some teams are going through a, a relegation fight, it can get a bit toxic. The, the atmosphere can get a bit bad, but it doesn't seem like from the outside that's what's happened at Lungby. What's been the experience actually being in the stadium through this? 
positive throughout really it's hard to think of a time where the the players uh, the fans sorry have been on the players back again compare it to when i was in england supporting watford right everything when when the team was playing badly the fans abandoned the team almost but at Lumbi, it really seems like again the fans are just behind the team there has always been a positive nature at at, at Lumbi stadium attendances have continued to increase this season despite how we've been faring on the field. Having been a supporter of an English team, I know you wouldn't get that in England. Attendances would decrease. So it's it's great to see uh, the fans really sticking behind the team still. It's great. Yeah, and I think in January, it felt like with all the, the sales that, that Lungby had, it felt like they were accepting that they were going down and this was beginning the rebuild a bit early. But since then, it looks like a, a different side on the pitch. What chances do you give the, the team of surviving and how have you felt about the, the performances since the winter break? I'm always going to be optimistic, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I think we stand as good a chance as any to stay up. It's been done before. It can be done again. <laughs> and since we sold Sorensen and Jorensen, we've brought in Willy Kamado from New Zealand and uh, Finson from Dortmund. They're almost like for light. Kamado is pretty much like for light with Sorensen, but has actually performed better. Uh, and Finson, similar characteristics to Jonsson. Uh, and again, uh, they've just slotted right in, which is very nice to see. And, you know, with the emergence of some young guys like uh, Tobias Storm and Lucas Hay in defence, we oddly, uh, well, maybe not oddly, we look stronger than we did before January. Is there a part of you as a fan that almost wants to see a season in Division 1 where you're winning every week or, or, or winning regularly and and, uh, and getting the confidence back? Or, or would you take another season in the Superliga, scrapping it out? I would definitely say stay in the Superliga, right? Just seeing how volatile the league is. You've got second and third place teams in the relegation from last year and you know teams that were nearly relegated one year go on to doing well the next it's it's a it's a crazy league and i i love it so i think obviously it'd be a fool not to want to be here you mentioned that you got into Lungby through a, a friend at work have you made friends at the stadium like are there faces that you recognize now uh, it feels like the sort of club where that sort of thing would happen yeah, I mean, obviously, I, you know, talk to people on Twitter. I'm quite introverted, to be honest. <laughs> so it takes me a little while to get the courage to uh, say hello to people. So put my face on my Twitter the other day. So, you know, if I'm at the stadium again, then I'm more than happy for people to come speak to me. Yeah, I mean, my experience has always been that people are really excited to share their team or their experience with people from, from outside. So hopefully that's that's been your experience too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had great conversations on Twitter with people. I'm sure if, you know, I had the uh, balls to talk to people, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd have great conversations too. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just an introverted English boy. Final question I wanted to ask you is, who's been the best away support this season, do you think? Going to ruffle a few feathers, I'm sure, but I'd be interested to know who, who you think's brought the best set of fans this season. I wasn't present for the for the game against Farron, but it seems, you know, they, they had a good support. Away support does seem to be quite a tricky one in Denmark. Not many travelling fans from what I've seen in the past. Obviously, with local teams like Copenhagen, they brought a lot. But, you know, even Silkeborg started very loud at the weekend. But you would after 22 seconds, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but after that, they were pretty quiet. 
Best of way supporters, though, is uh, got to be biased. It's definitely Lumbi, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right. Well, thank you very much. Wish you the best for the for the rest of the season. And I think that hopefully there's there's signs of encouragement there, and uh, and you can get down to the stadium, support the boys a few more times. And you're only six points off safety, so you never know. A couple of wins, and you you could be staring down the barrel of another another season in the Superliga and, and the, the the chance to, to kick on. And I, I think that, to be fair, looking at it from the outside, I feel like there's not a huge gulf in class between yourselves and Horsens. And, you know, if they end up staying up, I think no one will be that surprised. So it's definitely there for the taking. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a shame to see Orbo actually get some form. But, you know, three horse relegation race is uh, it's an interesting one isn't it definitely well watch this space uh, if you want to follow dan on twitter you can head to at lungbbk underscore eng and he'll be there for all of your all of your lungby support in english which is a very helpful resource and very in-depth so uh, look out for dan there thanks for coming on the show and uh yeah look forward to the rest of the season forza lungby <laughs> <laughs>